What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Kylie of the band The Beaches over Zoom video. We had uh, the entire Beaches band on the podcast over four years ago. This is pre-COVID, all that stuff. They were opening up for Passion Pit, and we had the entire band on. But this time around, we had a chance to hang out with just Kylie via Zoom video. It was really cool to catch up with Kylie and kind of talk about basically where the band has gone since that conversation back in May of 2019. Since our last conversation, they've won another Juno Award. Kylie actually shows us the two Juno Awards they've got. So that was really cool to see that. You can see that in the video. Um, but uh, she talks about that. We hear about them you know, now being an independent band, which is huge. Their latest single has been 10 weeks in a row at number one on Canadian radio. Their entire U.S. tour is sold out. A lot of big things happening for the beaches, which is incredible. They have a new album out called Blame It On My Ex, so make sure to check that out as well. And like I said, watch the video version of this interview because you'll see not only Kylie, but you'll see the Juno Awards there. That's up now on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the beaches. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. I'm excited uh, to chat with you. We met. I, I had you all in my sh- podcast in 20 may and 20 um beginning of may 2019 when you were on tour with passion pit oh cool well nice to see you again yeah <laughs> i know it's different <laughs> this way uh um, yeah yeah you uh you were opening up for passion pit and you play i'm in nashville now but you were playing in san diego observatory oh nice yeah okay yeah. cool so i'm excited to chat with you because a lot has uh, gone on since our last conversation. There was a uh, pandemic yes. and uh, yeah. Oh, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple EPs into an, uh, an album and uh, mm-hmm. another one coming out. So I'm excited to, to catch up with you. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Awesome. So just to kind of recap on the first conversation, this is about you and your journey in music. Um, so quickly, uh, we'll just kind of recap a little bit of what we talked about last time, just born and raised in Toronto. Um, yeah. so tell me about that just a little bit. Cause we didn't get too deep into it. Yeah. So, um, we're all from Toronto, Jordan, the lead singer in the band is my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so we grew up like playing and singing together from like a really young age. Um, and we started playing our first band when we were in like public school. And that's mm-hmm. when Eliza actually joined the band. We've been playing together for like 15 plus years, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you had a quite, quite quite successful first band there. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> we were we were a pretty big deal in Canada for like twelve and thirteen year old girls. Yeah. Oh yeah. We crushed. Um, and then <laughs> and then in high school we met Leandra, and that's how the beaches was formed. Um, we've been doing this for about ten years now, so we may seem young, but we are seasoned musicians at this point. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. 
Um, I remember you or your sister even saying that she started off playing guitar pretty young and then you picked up guitar and then surpassed her is what in her words. But uh, at what age did you start playing guitar? I started playing when I was uh, seven years old. Yeah. So Jordan had been playing for a year and then I got into it as well. And then shortly after she moved over to bass. Okay. So you were seven when you started playing. Yes. And were you immediately like obsessed with it or like I I wasn't immediately obsessed with it. I remember it was like a bit of a challenge because my hands were so small and like it hurt my fingers and all this stuff. But I did. I loved writing songs from a really young age. And then when I was a little bit older, I fell in love with playing guitar. Then that was like really it became like a big thing for me. I think it was when I was in high school. I started really getting into it. I got grounded for like an entire summer. Um, for being for being like a bad kid anyways Uh the only thing i could do was like like guitar guitar. and that's honestly so happy i was such a little delinquent because look at me now right (laughs) it all paid off and and it all goes back to that one summer uh that you're grounded um pretty much (laughs) i was gonna say obviously you you and your sister and eliza had been playing for a long time you had the band uh, that was on the Disney channel in Canada and, yep. and all of that. But what before done with all started, that was that the name of the band or like, how did you all like, were you in a band that then became that or cause I know like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So like rain meta was like helping you guys or mentoring you all, I think from an early yeah. age. That um, is correct. Yeah. So, so before that, yeah. Kind of tell me about the band that went into done with dolls. So we, Jordan and I started playing guitar together and we did lessons together because I was super shy and it was just easier to kind of get me out of my shell if she was in the room. Mm -hmm. And our guitar teacher at the time also taught these two brothers. So he decided to make like to put us together and to kind of like help form a band because he taught all of us. And and then he also put one of his other students in the band. So it was kind of like a music school, like not like a really serious thing. I think we played three shows, but our band name was called sisters, others and brothers in short form <laughs> SOB. So yeah, we, we always killing it with the names that and done with dolls, truly extraordinary stuff. Um, but yeah, after it kind of just shifted and like playing with like 12 year old boys, obviously there was, it just, it wasn't working for us. We decided we wanted to be in a band with, all women. And uh-huh. so that's really how the shift from that, that happens to Demo Dolls. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting that your guitar teacher kind of formed. It was like his own uh, like school of rock type. Uh, it lit- that's literally what it was. Like he was Jack Black and we were the school of rock. <laughs> it was amazing. And did you have your own songs or were you doing covers uh, throughout that time? Oh, we wrote our own songs. And oh, let wow. me tell you, they're something Bangers. to behold. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we also did like a bunch of Beatles covers and we did like the white stripes and whatever. We basically would play at like the recital for the music school. Uh-huh. And that was like the only place that we could get a gig. So that makes sense. We yeah. yeah okay. Great. So you mm-hmm. did that. And then you guys were talking about having, I, was it your first, was it with the beaches when you were doing like that residency uh, at yeah. the bar in, in Canada and it was yes. like or in Toronto and yeah it was like every Wednesday at like midnight or something you all were still in high school I believe oh my god you you remember all the stuff yeah that is literally <laughs> it's called the supermarket it's still there um 
And it's so funny because for our album release, we're actually throwing a party there on Thursday. No way. At that, yeah. At that venue to kind of make it like a full circle moment. But yeah, that's incredible. We, yeah. And the beaches, we started like kind of gigging around Toronto. Like that's how we got our start. Like we would play every Wednesday at the supermarket and then we would play like all these little kind of festivals around Toronto. So we played, we kind of worked our way up to every like small room around the city. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we started making a lot of friends in the industry and got a couple shows that way. And that's kind of how we got like our Toronto cred, like our Scott Pilgrim versus, versus the world. Kind oh, of sure, sure, sure. Okay. Scene. Yeah. So you you so, got in, but playing every Wednesday at the same, I mean, to play at midnight, that's a lot for <laughs> especially high school kids. Yeah. Um, like was Leandra 16. in the band at that point? Or, she was in the band okay. at that point. Yeah. Okay. So our old member left uh, the beaches like literally after a month that we decided to kind of change our direction. I, she just basically just didn't have it in her anymore. And then immediately we reached out to Leandra and and then we started playing all these shows. OK, it was the yeah. person that was in the band prior to her. Was that the same person that was in the Dumb with Dolls? In, yes. Oh, OK. I was yeah. curious. I was like, I when we first talked, I had never heard of. I didn't know that part of the story, obviously. And then we I, we yeah. learned quite a bit from you all. And then mm-hmm. I went back and I was watching the videos. I was like, oh, wow, there's another member. And then. Yeah. So that person was in the beaches at the very, very start. But then left. Yes. Leandra came in because she didn't come in until after what you guys were recording the first EP. Yes, we had already finished the first EP before Leander joined. So it okay. was kind of I mean, I think maybe she did backup vocals on like one song, but all the music and stuff was done okay. at that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I do. I yeah, I recall that a little bit. Her joining, and I remember she knew like the exact day that she joined the band. Like, oh, she <laughs> well, she was a super fan of our old band. I yeah, I remember and saying. So that. she really worked her way to kind of get in, and let me tell you, she did it. She really she found her way in, and she's been. It's been the best thing that has happened to our band. Her joining for sure. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt that she's like ridiculously talented. I, I think she's like a classically trained piano player yep. and all this stuff so she can play everything like she literally can pick up anything and learn how to play it in like two seconds she's like That's... our paul mccartney <laughs> okay mm-hmm. um yeah so she joins and then that's when you start playing more and more shows so she had joined and you hadn't played a show yet with the other girl or no no we never oh. played a show as the beaches with the other girl i mean we were rehearsing and stuff but right leandra leandra really kind of solidified like the sound and she also since she played keyboards like we added that into the mix as well like we used to be a lot more into like the synth rock kind of stuff and mm-hmm. yeah so once she joined it was like we were ready to start playing shows and stuff yeah okay yeah she i think uh eliza said in the interview last time that uh leandra was in the music video for like the first song you guys wa- did and i was watching it because i was like i want to see if i can find her i couldn't find her I know oh, she's in it. Andre. I know you there's so much going on during the video yeah. that I was like, this is too hard. To, but it's a rad music video, especially that you you all did that at such a young age. Thank you. Yeah, it actually it's pretty. Uh, I watch it now and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we filmed this. when We were in high school. This is right. There's a lot of partying, a lot of partying, <laughs> a lot um, of like underage waivers <laughs> being signed. Let me tell sure. you. Um, yeah. That's cool. So you were playing around Canada quite a bit. And then mm-hmm. I know you did South by Southwest and that's kind of what opened the door to what Island or universal music. Yeah. Okay. And then 
you get signed and you're doing these tours and you'd put out the uh, an album what uh late show was a, a couple in like 2017 or 18 i can't remember yeah i think 2018 um, okay and then when i saw you all you had a few songs out but you did not have uh the ep for um the professional out yet okay so just singles just singles i think you announced it like you weren't you guys I, it was funny because uh I, I recently watched this so i'm not just like have this great brain yeah um, i like I'm very impressed <laughs> yeah. like, jordan's whoa. like asking one of your like tour manager and she's like going like this and not asking can we talk about the name can we do this and so you all kind of like had talked about what it was at that point so i think there was like two two songs out and you were going to release three more they had just finished yeah um and then you were on the road with passion pit and that's kind of where you know that that's as far as we got obviously and then yeah so you put that record out um you ended up winning a i think you guys won a juno or was that after that or before yeah that? well i mean i won two we've won two they're literally on my windowsill right now <laughs> um but we were are they mobile to... can i see what one looks like yeah i mean they both look different so which is kind of weird so this is the one that we got for this is the breakthrough group of the year Oh, awesome. And then this is the one that we won for rock album of the year. But they look different, which is confusing. Yeah. So do they I do a different one every year? I wonder. I, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know any other award thing that does that, but. Hey. That's dope, right? I mean, to have yeah. that. So it's winning that cool. a first one, I mean, breakthrough. It was breakthrough artist of the Break, year. Yeah. Breakthrough group of the year. What was that like? I mean, obviously being a band from from Canada, that's the biggest achievement you can have as far as the music yeah. industry goes. For us, it was like really a whirlwind. I don't think any of us were expecting to win that. Um, and like we went on stage and accepted the award and I forgot to thank everybody. Like I just I, <laughs> like I didn't even prepare like a like a speech or anything. So it's just like my mouth is flying a million miles an hour and it was incredibly overwhelming and and then this one we also the other the rock one we weren't expecting to win that either because we had been dropped and it just didn't make sense that we would have won it because uh -huh. we were like an independent Bang. artist at that point yeah. but you know i guess sometimes uh the underdog takes the takes the yeah, gold that's incredible Today, hip-hop dominates pop culture, but it wasn't always like that. And to tell the story of how that changed, I want to take you back to a very special year in rap. 88, it was too much good music. The world was on fire. fire yeah. I'm Will Smith. This is Class of 88, my new podcast about the moments, albums, and artists that inspired a sonic revolution and secured 1988 as one of hip-hop's most important years. We'll talk to the people who were there. And most of all, we'll bring you some amazing stories. You know what my biggest memory from that tour is? It was your birthday. Yes, and you brought me to Sade. Life-size cardboard cutout. <laughs> this is Class of 88, the story of a year that changed hip-hop. Listen to Class of 88 wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge the entire series right now on the Amazon Music app or Audible. I was looking at your the I think it was on your story or something the 
you're the number one you have the number one song in in canada on the rock and you're beating like the foo fighters and hosier for it's 10 like, weeks in a row yeah it's like holy shit that's so amazing thank you yeah it's crazy wow okay so you guys are like i said you were putting those eps out and then where where does the pandemic lie in this because it was like may 2019 and then yeah we're wrapping up the the passion pit tour and then you know how how in like march like were you guys on tour were you releasing something like how did that no affect you yeah so we were our plan was to actually release the professional as a full-length album Okay. But because, and so we had the whole thing ready to go. Like it wasn't supposed to be two EPs. Like it wasn't supposed to be the professional and sisters, not twins. It was supposed to be just one whole thing, but COVID happened. And a lot of the songs that we were writing that we had written for the record were about partying and like going out and hanging out with your friends. And during COVID, we were like, I don't really know if it makes sense to release a piece of music. That's like about, going out and partying (laughs) and being with your friends when nobody can relate to that right now. Uh And also this is when the music industry changed and like TikTok and like streaming and stuff became way more important. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really know what to do. Um, And we went through like a lot of changes with our band too. Like we ended up changing our manager and getting new agents. And like, we kind of did like a full, like we did a completely like a a 180. Yeah. Um, but we ended up releasing the two EPs and kind of putting them together to package them as like a A side, B side, sort of a record, but I don't know, kind of not, but we did it that way because we knew that streaming had such a different, like kind of shelf life than Mm -hmm. it did before. Like if you release an EP, it could basically, you could release singles at like a slower rate and each song will get like a little bit more of a presence on Spotify Mm -hmm. versus putting out a record and then, like yeah i guess two singles and then there's eight songs that might get lit and our biggest fear was like just having this record that we had spent so much time and so much work on be like forgotten about and slipping through the cracks because of covid so but at the same time i think so many artists had to deal with that and then eventually we were like screw it we just got to put it out anyways like Mm -hmm. people want music right now so it ended up i mean and we wanted juno for it so it ended up working out in the end <laughs> a little bit but yeah it wasn't um, like the it wasn't exactly what we had planned though the okay. structure of how we released it so future lovers was all those songs were actually a part of what have been what would have been the professional as a full album yeah oh okay so that whole thing was done going into covid or that well the the music was done but then okay. after you know, after we had gotten through the pandemic and things were starting to open up again, then we kind of came up with like the concept and the colors and all that. And then that kind of became like the future lovers era, but it, it was supposed to be like one album originally, but wow. it ended up kind of becoming like that anyways, in the end, when we put it all together and we, the vision was there, it was executed when, you know, we could do it. Right, right. During mm-hmm. during the pandemic, were you writing songs or like what were you guys? I mean, everyone was uh, kind of isolated. Were you feeling creative? I'm some people <laughs> were like, yeah. And some were like, no, I'm couldn't. I'm sick of looking at this wall. Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, I wasn't like overly creative. We wrote a little bit um, and we did like a little EP after we put out um sisters not twins we put out like grow up tomorrow and Mm -hmm. um orpheus and my people 
But yeah, it was kind of odd because it was our first break that we had really had since we had started working, like since we were playing at the supermarket. So it was like just a little bit strange to kind of go from living this like really, really fast life, you know, working so much to doing nothing. It was really kind of a hard thing to come to terms with. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all did like a lot of work on ourselves and came. I think actually it was good for us to take a bit of a break and like recognize all the things that we have accomplished in our career. Cause sometimes when you're moving so fast, you don't really take a second to kind of, you know, stop and look around and be like, Oh my God, this is really cool. Yeah. But unfortunately we had like two years of doing that. Um, (laughs) A little longer than anticipated. Yeah. um, But we were ready to kind of, it, it just made us really excited to get back to work and to like work even harder. And it helped us kind of like reset, like what it is we wanted to do and really kind of make some of these decisions, like hire the best team possible, you know, work this record independently for the first time. It, it really helped clear, get everybody on the same page and make sure that like, we're going to do this next thing, this next chapter, the way that we want to. Um, so it, I guess, guess it gave everybody a bit of clarity. Okay. Yeah. Cause you all have been just going since, I mean, to get signed out of high school and to mm-hmm. even have all that stuff happening during high school. And then it's like trips to LA and tours and you know, yeah. you're opening up for these big bands and doing all this stuff for, you know, several year, years in a row. And then to have nothing, it, I'm sure, like you said, that was a, probably a good, like, okay, let's kind of reset here. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we kind of used that period to do. And then after, after the pandemic, we did, we did a couple more tours. We went on tour with the aces across America and we really tried to, which was the Rolling Stones, right? I mean, yeah, we did like a a bunch of other things and it just kind of like, I think for us, our, our main thing was we wanted to kind of, our goal was to, before putting out blame my ex was to reach out to younger audiences, like to make music for people that like that our age that we would be listening to. Like, because I really feel like there was a disconnect for some reason with like our, our music before, like it, there's nothing wrong with this, but like our fan base was skewing a lot older. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because our sound was like very rooted in like rock and it was nostalgic for a lot of people. But we mm-hmm. wanted to find a way to also like introduce that to like the younger people and to find a way to like reach these like TikTok audiences, reach these like young girls to also kind of like introduce them to this sound and not in a way that's going to be like, um, like alienate them or anything like that. Um, Cause I think that obviously those platforms are like a really good way to connect with new fans. And so that was kind of like our mission after the pandemic too. Like that's when we started using TikTok and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, to because when I was growing up, there a lot of the girls and you know, the female band or female fronted bands were such a big deal for a lot of, you know, like Gwen Stefani and yeah, you had, you know, Avril Lavigne and like these people that were like those are my girls. Those yeah. like that's why I wanted to get into it. Right. Yeah. And then now you all could pay it forward in the sense like you could be the band these younger the younger generation is looking up to. Totally. And I think Especially that's as really, an all-female band, right? Yeah. That's where we wanted to focus our attention, I think, because it's like why, you know, after two years of doing nothing, it's like, okay, why are we doing this? What do we want the next 
the end game? What is the goal for like our career? What do we want to say? And Mm -hmm. that was kind of like through and through everybody's response. Like we want to help, you know, start getting young girls into music. And I mean, everybody just like, I don't know it, that really was something that we wanted to focus on. So it's finding a way to do that without like, obviously losing what we had and like not becoming a different band or anything like that, but, you know, kind of shifting the sound a little bit and like having the lyrics be a little bit more hooky, have everything be a bit more playful, have it feel a little bit younger, more energy, all that to kind of like hook the younger audience a little bit. (laughs) Right. Right. And it doesn't sound like you are like the, in the songs, it's not like you, it sounds like, you all sat down. And you're like, all right, we're gonna write this song, and it's gonna get. We're yeah. gonna gear it toward. It, it wasn't like the, it, this manipulative, like master plan. It sound no, like, not at all. And even in, it doesn't even it doesn't come across that way at all in the in the, the yeah. new songs that I've heard. And it's not like it's totally different. To, you listen to the the new songs in the old records, and it's like obviously still this the same band for sure. <laughs> like yeah, you just totally went to like right field or something like that yeah oh my gosh no we're like a edm band now right 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 (laughs) (laughs) um well so with this did you you guys are independent now you're not with the label yeah so basically that kind of happened uh i think maybe a year and a half ago yeah uh we ended up parting ways with our label and you had like five labels when I talked to you. I think you like gained a label in Australia, like during our conversation. Yeah, literally. So <laughs> it was like, everybody's out. And, but that was another thing. Like we've been signed since we were 15 and I'm 26 now. So that's like 11 years of being in the major label system. It's like, yeah. should we try and do this ourselves and like kind of go through every single piece that we don't like about the band and like the team and try and make it like, so everybody's happy with everything. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what we did. So we like completely did a reset. You know, we, we took like care and paid attention to details of things that we were not happy with. Like for instance, our logo, we hated our logo for years and we finally changed it. But because we are independent, like we could do these things. Now we finally took down all of our merch because we hated our old merch and we got merch design that we really like and would wear ourselves. So every piece is just like, we take care and we're invested in every single piece of the puzzle now. So Uh it's a lot more work for us, but ultimately it's like what the band feels like now is like the most authentic version of itself that it ever has because the vision, every, the music, everything is coming from us. Like the release plan, it really is like all us and our management team. And it feels like, that's why this record is like our baby. It's like our actual child because we put so much attention and detail into every single thing about it. If you're an independent artist, you may know the struggle of you got these great songs. How do I get them in front of record labels, radio DJs, get them on Spotify playlists? How does this happen? Well, friends, this is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I'm going to tell you about this amazing website called DropTrack. DropTrack will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from DropTrack. 
DropTrack has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators. And now DropTrack is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song and then DropTrack will write a professional, personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then DropTrack helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, and these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine has been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs, but he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, droptrack, droptrack.com. Check it out today. Just you know, watching your career, I would have never guessed that it was... Because the way it rolled out or the way, I mean, the logo, all that stuff, I'd never, I didn't even really, the way you did it, it's, it's seamless, if that makes sense. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't like this drastic, like, and no, this is our new stuff. It was like, yeah. it, it seems like it's just kind of been, you know, oh, we're going to update this. But that, be, that being said, I mean, being independent, being able to set your own release plan, being able to probably choose the songs that you want to make the record you don't need to probably make yeah. 50 phone calls to to decide on is this going to happen or y- you even having the final say for sure and that's been like a crazy thing too you know deciding we get to decide what the singles are going to be and you don't have an a and r telling you what they think the singles should be and right. it's like it's a lot of responsibility but it's also brought us so, like so much closer together because we all have to be like united and kind of have the same opinion or if someone has a really, really strong opinion, like we'll follow them. If other people don't care as much, it's created a lot uh, better communication amongst like my bandmates and I, mm-hmm. and with our management team, like we really are such a good, like in sync unit right now, mm-hmm. as we're rolling into release week, week we're, yeah. <laughs> we're solid. That's great. I, I love to see that you know, you all get to choose the singles and what yeah. songs you want to put out. And then the, you you obviously made the right choice and you've been doing the right thing. And with the, the right songwriting and the album that's coming out, I mean, with Blame Brett being the number one song for 10 weeks straight in Canadian radio, like as an independent band, how that's like unheard of. I mean, you're beating out one of the biggest bands on the planet. I mean, the Foo Fighters <sighs> are like one of the biggest bands on the planet. It's pretty crazy. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, and we did that by, you know, by yourself. I mean, you could credit that, that this is just you guys. You guys. Yeah. I mean, our team, like 
Well, don't get me wrong. Our teams <laughs> like, and our label experience has definitely helped us plant the seeds and helped us get to where we are today for sure. Cause mm-hmm. now we can kind of stand on our own two feet in Canada and we don't really need the support of a label because we've made a name for ourselves here. Um, and the really interesting thing for us is like finally starting to see that happen in the U S and also in other countries, not, not just Canada. Like mm-hmm. that's been completely mind blowing. Like all of our U S shows that we are playing on this tour, they're, they're all, all sold, sold out. out except Charleston, but it, I know maybe... I was going to say, let's uh, how, how we got to get that one to go. I mean, Charleston? just tell people, just tell people from North Carolina that didn't get tickets to drive down. I don't know. Maybe Charleston's a small town. I don't know. I know. But I, that's the only one I saw. I was like, what? Uh, but the fact that that was just going to bring that up. The fact that you're saying that, you know, you've got your, you got it together in Canada, but you're coming here and you're selling out every show that, that is- will sell at, the, at least before the show. I'm I hope gonna so. Put the, I'm going to put that out there. In the yeah. Put it out into the universe. <laughs> um, no, and that's been crazy. And I think that that has been like something that we've tried as a band to accomplish for such a long time. And now that that's finally happening, it's like such a good feeling. It really is. Wow. And yeah, you're doing your headlining show and you sold out every one of them, basically. Well, you will be um, with that. Like, I'm just curious, like when it came to the writing of this album, um, was that a different approach without having a label or did the label thing kind of happen during the putting this album together? No. So the label thing happened about two years ago, right before we released um, kind of in the middle of when we did those three songs, like that little EP. Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Um, And yeah, that was kind of just like a natural like thing that happened because we've been signed to them for a while and you know, like our band wasn't streaming that much and it's just like TikTok and all these different platforms really changed the industry. And, you know, we just weren't like as marketable as an artist as like say anyone else would. And like the whole major label system is like very different now because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a year when we basically, when we signed with our manager, Lori, we kind of didn't, and we were independent for the first time. We didn't really know what to do. We hadn't done co-writes in a really long time. And we figured that we would actually like see what, amazing talented writers actually were in our own city because we'd always gone to like Nashville or LA Mm -hmm. and, you know, spent a bunch of money and ended up kind of like, you know, I I don't know. We just really wanted to kind of see what was available to us here and also write on our own. And so we wrote about like 50 songs just like in a year. And that's kind of really, we just worked with different people every every few days, whatever. And we ended up finding like our dream team, which is Gus Van Gogh and Lowell. And they ended up co-producing Blame My Ex. They also did Grow Up Tomorrow. Um, oh, wow. And f- like finding them really kind of was like the perfect fit for what we wanted. Like they have such respect for us as writers and musicians and players. And it's such a collaborative and like like uplifting experience being in the studio with them. Like you don't feel like you're tired and worn down at the end of the day, leaving the studio, like you're excited and ready to go back in Mm -hmm. and just having such a positive collaboration, like collaborative experience with them was such a amazing thing to find. Um, And then I think we wrote everything is boring and blame Brett in that period. And once we wrote those songs, we were like, okay, 
this is this is the North Star. This is what we want to have the whole record kind of sound like. Okay. Also, at this time, Jordan got broken up with, like my sister. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence, blame Brett. Hence, the name <laughs> of the record. So it ended up kind of like becoming a bit of a therapeutic experience for her to be able to write about her heartbreak and to find kind of like to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Like it was a, it was good for her to kind of go through all the emotions and to be able to write about each one. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, she, it sounds like once she was able to really just get everything out there and it probably fueled a lot of the, what became this album. For sure. Wow. And Gus, the guy, the person you worked with on the record, he's like a legend in Canada, right? I mean, he's done like Arkells and Metric and a bunch of, uh, huge bands uh there and i'm not surprised that that was a good fit for you all yeah for sure he um, he really is the best and it was funny because we recorded at the same studio where we did late show with emily and jimmy from metric oh really yeah so it was like a big full circle moment that is awesome more and then you have another big obviously coming up on what thursday you the, doing the the release party at the the supermarket, but the that's supermarket. a pri- it's, it's a private thing, but it's mainly for friends and family. But like, but it's it'll the be spot. It's the spot. It is. It's the spot. That is awesome. And then, are you doing? I mean, you got obviously the shows coming up in in the U.S. That whole yeah. tour happening is that like kind of the 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 kickoff to the next big yeah. thing you'll have. So blame like blame my ex tour kicks off in Chicago, I think, on October. Seventh, I'm pretty uh, sure. I think you have or, Milwaukee. Is it Milwaukee? You're playing Nashville on the 11th. I am playing Nashville. I'm super excited about that. Yes. Um, it sold out. It that one sold out. I mean, the whole thing sold out so fast. But I want to yeah. check you all out at Nashville because that's yeah. Where you I'm should. At. Amazing. My boyfriend <laughs> lives there, so oh, I'm there perfect. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, are you? So are you living in Toronto still? Yeah, currently. I mean, my sister and I are like still at our parents' place just because we're touring so yeah, much. Never home. <laughs> we're never home. There's no point in rent in Toronto is insane. Sure. Um, but we are still based here. And like, obviously Canada is a very big, like it's our home. We love it here, but we can't wait to go and travel more. Um, so yeah, we're doing uh, basically like, I think it's seven or eight dates in the States and then all of Canada but there's going to be a lot more announcements coming in the following weeks for more shows all over. So we're really excited that we're taking blame my ex literally all over the world. It's crazy. That is awesome. Well, um, I can't wait to hear the full album. Uh, it was so great to see you again. I I can't believe, you know, it's been like four years since that show yeah. at, the, <laughs> at the observatory. Um, and thank you again so much for doing this. I have one more question. I asked you yeah. this last time with everybody, but I want to see what your answer would be this time around. If you have any advice for aspiring artists. Mm, this is a good question. I think definitely you have to be able to, write a song by yourself and before going into like start doing co-writing and stuff like that's a really important thing to focus on um also surrounding yourself with like really good people and having like and following your instincts and definitely not letting people persuade you to go down a path that you don't want to you really kind of have to trust your gut and i probably said the same thing before like four years ago too <laughs> i don't remember maybe <laughs> maybe um, it's the same. 
And yeah, it's just like, honestly, getting in a really solid routine is like a really, really big thing for songwriting and like helping. If you do like a little bit every day, you're always going to come up with like, the work is going to get that much stronger. Um, And that's always, that's what we did. Like, especially like this last year or when we were writing the record, like going in every day, not every day was going to be like a huge success, but like you open up the ability to like hone in on some really good moments when you have like a routine. Like, I don't really know how I'm kind of like rambling. Sorry. I had like a long studio day. Beautiful. 